This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to episode one of the Trash Talk with TK podcast. I am TK Tom Kelly from 94 WIP. And where do you even start? Where else could I start right now? in episode one of this podcast, then talk about one of the most remarkable performances I've ever seen in any sport on Wednesday night in Los Angeles. What Joel Embiid did at Staples Center to the Lakers, to Lonzo Ball on national TV was nothing short of remarkable. And was one of the most just incredible performances, most entertaining games I've ever watched as a sports fan, let alone a Sixers fan. And for everybody who stuck by, stuck with this team, trusted the process through thick and thin over the past five years, it was the most gratifying night. It was the most gratifying night that you could imagine to see it all come to fruition. Now on the national stage, on ESPN, against overhyped Lonzo Ball, who came into the season as favorite for Rookie of the Year, inexplicably over Ben Simmons. For Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid to go into Staples Center and do what they did last night, Joel Embiid, the numbers he put up in that game were freakish. And I really hope that everybody out there stayed up to watch it because if you didn't, you missed one of the most entertaining games and one of the best performances in Sixers history. And when you look at it, it's not even a question. That was the best single game any Sixers player has had since Allen Iverson. I believe it's the most points that any Sixer has scored since AI did it in like 06. But I, I that the game that Joel Embiid played was so dominant, so in control, so efficient. I can't remember an NBA game that I've watched recently. Including, you know, postseason games over the past couple of years. Some of the, the great outings LeBron has had and some of these other guys around the league. I don't know if I can remember a more efficient performance than Joel Embiid had. 46 points, 14-20 shooting, 16-19 from the line, 2-3 from three-point range. 15 rebounds, 7 assists, and 7 blocks. I've never seen a game before when a guy's had 7 blocks. I didn't think it was possible. And what he he totally 
just owned that game from beginning to end. No, the Lakers could do nothing to stop them. Could do absolutely nothing. They had no answers. I, I mean, I don't know what Luke Walton was doing, leaving Julius Randle to defend Joel Embiid one-on-one. I mean, that obviously wasn't working. Julius Randle had no chance to stop Joel Embiid and why they didn't switch something up, you know, double him more, give Andrew Bogut more minutes. Uh, it's beyond me, but I was enjoying every minute of it. And just to do it on national TV and do it against the Lakers, who the Lakers aren't a good team. They haven't been a, a premier franchise in this league for at least half a decade now. But for the Sixers to do that against that franchise that even when they're bad, everybody pays attention to. They're still always on national TV, even when they're not not a good team and not an entertaining team. For Joel Embiid to do that against that franchise in that environment, on that stage, was so gratifying as a Sixers fan and so exciting, so exciting to see. And you just look at what this team has Going forward, we talked about it for a while. We've we've hoped that it would get to this point where it would all come to fruition, and that we were right about the process the whole time, and that this would all work out in our favor. And yeah, health is a huge thing, and health is the only thing that can stop this team. Because when you just talk about bringing in top level talent. And having a team skilled enough to compete for titles year in and year out. They already have that. It's incredible. But Embiid and Simmons to be this good this early in their careers is incredible. Ben Simmons was one rebound short of a triple-double last night. And nobody's talking about it because of how ridiculous Joel Embiid was. And I don't think I am overselling this when I tell you this could be the best duo in NBA history. It has that kind of potential. Joel Embiid could be the best big man this game has ever seen. And I know the older guys out there will always say Wilt Chamberlain and and, and Bill Russell and all those guys, and I, I understand that, but I wasn't around to see those guys. So I can only talk from the people that I've seen. And the best big man I've seen in my lifetime was Shaquille O'Neal. Just the way he he dominated games and was the best player in the league for a three or four year stretch in the early 2000s um, when the Lakers were winning their, their titles. Joel Embiid could be far better than Shaquille O'Neal. Joel Embiid is Shaquille O'Neal with a handle, a three-point shot, and vastly more athleticism. The league has never seen anything like this guy. And when you pair him up with a player like Ben Simmons, a 6'10 guy with point guard skills can defend one through five, can do anything you need him to on a basketball court. Once he develops that 12 to 14 foot jumper, it's over. I don't know how you guard these guys. And they're only going to add to the roster. The roster's only going get, to get better. 
They're going to be big players in free agency next summer. Who's not going to want to come play with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons? They're unselfish. They're entertaining. They're fun to be around. They're great, possibly historic young talents. Who's not going to want to come pair up with these guys? We were all excited about the process, and we thought it would work out to where this team could compete. We may have actually undersold it. It could be better than we originally even dreamed. I thought this team would win 40 games this year. I had them through 14 at like 5-9. and nine. They're 8-6. and six. They're beating good teams. They've won 8 of their last 11. They can compete. What, this season? They can go to the second round of the playoffs this season. There's no doubt about it. Forget getting in the playoffs. They're in. Barring some crazy injury, they're in, and they're probably a 4-5 or five seed. They can compete for an NBA title next year. If you add the right guys around or around Simmons and Embiid, you can compete this year. And if the big thing is if you get Markel Fultz back and you get the Markel Fultz that you thought you were drafting, which is a combo guard who can do everything and can fill it up. Because that's exactly what you need around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. You need a combo guard who can play on or off the ball and can fill it up every night. Because right now, there's not enough scoring on this team, which sounds crazy to say considering they're one of the best offensive teams in the NBA. But they have a lot of streaky players. Like Robert Covington uh, is great, and he's the ultimate process sixer and... Great for him that he's getting this extension, well-deserved. But he's not going to shoot at this at this rate from three all year. He's currently making more threes per game than Steph Curry. That is not sustainable. That's not going to keep up all year. And just the nature of the other guys that you have on this team that can score, they're guys that are going to go through good and bad streaks. You're seeing it with J.J. Redick right now. J.J. Redick is one of the best shooters in NBA history, and I'm not sure he's ever played two back-to-back games worse than he played against the Clippers and Lakers in the Sixers' last two games. He's going through a funk right now, and that but that's the nature of J.J. Redick's game, is he's going to be a streaky scorer because that's just the nature of, of shooters. You know, guys go through good and bad periods. They need a guy, though, who can fill it up, you know, five out of every six nights, he's going to give you 20 to 25 points. And that's what they thought they were getting in Markel Fultz whether it's the head, whether it's the shoulder. I'm not really sure. I don't don't think anybody really knows except the people extremely close to that situation. My theory is that it's more a mental thing. But once he gets that figured out and you bring him back, he'll be the perfect complement to these other two guys. And whether he's a superstar or not, that's the thing. Embiid and Simmons are so good, you don't need Markel Fultz to be a superstar. You just need him to be... A, a a high volume scorer in this league who can defend who can who can do other things with the ball you know to to help his teammates but you don't need Markel Fultz to be a superstar because you already have two superstars and you can go to free agency to supplement this roster but Fultz is the guy that they really need right now to come back and provide that extra scoring punch because Redick and, and Covington They're guys that are going to go through streaks. Same with Dario Saric, who's really played poorly 
the past few games. He's not hitting his shots right now either. But surprising that my first episode of this podcast, Eagle Cowboy Week, Eagles are 8-1. and one. I'm starting off talking about the Sixers, but that was just an unbelievable game last night. And that brings me to another segment we're going to have weekly on this podcast. I'm going to try to do one of these per week as we go throughout the football season and then beyond. But one of our weekly segments we're going to have, this being Trash Talk with TK, we're going to stay with the theme of Trash Talk, and we're going to have a weekly dumpster fire segment to to kind of honor somebody, I guess dishonor somebody, or some team, some organization that is just in complete disarray right now. And for the first dumpster fire segment on the Trash Talk with TK podcast, we will discuss Lakers rookie, second overall pick, Lonzo Ball. I got to say, I don't want to root necessarily against anybody. And Lonzo Ball, I don't have anything against Lonzo Ball. I think a lot of this attention that's been brought on him is due to his his idiot father for coming out and just, you know, making all these grand proclamations that Lonzo is going to be one of the best of all time. Nobody's beating Lonzo. He's, he's going to come into the league and immediately be a star. So I don't have anything against Lonzo Ball. But I'm not, I, I don't like the Lakers. I've never liked the Lakers. Something about Magic Johnson that rubs me the wrong way. And it does give me joy to see the Lakers' prized pick, this guy that they, they've decided they're going to center their franchise around. Guy that they were so confident in that could bring back the glory days of the Lakers that have been gone since, you know, Kobe was in his prime. It does give me a certain level of happiness to see Lonzo Ball looking as pathetically horrible as he is right now. He's terrible. The guy's not good. Someday will he be better? Yeah, he'll be better than this. He can't be like this his whole career or be out of the NBA. But Lonzo Ball is never going to be anything other than a a slightly above average player. I didn't understand coming into the league. I did not understand it at all last year during the draft why Lonzo Ball was rated so highly. Because I don't watch a ton of college basketball, but I try to make a conscious effort to watch the top prospects, the top players are going to be coming into the NBA. And I watch a decent amount of Lonzo Ball. I did not see this upside that everybody else seemed to see with him. I just didn't get it. He doesn't do anything that, that differentiates him from the average NBA point guard. He's not imposing physically he's not super fast with the ball he doesn't have extreme athleticism he's not a good shooter I don't understand what people saw that warranted him being the number two pick in the draft when I put him side by side with De'Aaron Fox De'Aaron Fox runs circles around Lonzo Ball and he literally ran circles around Lonzo Ball in the uh, in the NCAA tournament game when he put up 40 on him. But De'Aaron Fox, when I looked at those two point guards, De'Aaron Fox is so quick off the dribble. I do think he is the next John Wall he's been compared to. He'll become better as a shooter, but that guy, you see the athleticism. You stick, you know, skills that, that separate him and why he'd be a top pick. De'Aaron Fox was actually the guy I 
wouldn't have minded seeing the Sixers take. I understand he wouldn't have been the best fit alongside Ben Simmons because he's a guy who probably needs the ball a lot more. He'd probably struggle to play off the ball. But I th- I, I still think De'Aaron Fox is going to end up being the best player in that draft. But you look at a guy like Jason Tatum, too. You know, these guys give you things. They, they've shown the ability and shown, you know, a skill set that makes them different from your average NBA player. Lonzo Ball does not have a skill set that's any different than your average NBA point guard. He's just another guy. And he will never be more than that. I honestly believe that he was only drafted as high as he was because of his dad. LeVar Ball said he was going to speak Lonzo into Lonzo going to the Lakers at number two into existence. And even though I don't like him, I'll give him credit for that. I actually think that's what he did. I think LeVar Ball fooled Magic Johnson. All the talk, all the bluster. I actually think Magic Johnson bought into it. And that's part of the reason they drafted him. Because if you just watch him, I don't understand what the Lakers saw or what anybody else would see to put him above some of those other top prospects. And he is a disaster right now. So bad, they didn't even put him back in the game in the fourth quarter against the Sixers. What does that say? A Lakers team that is developing. They're not competing for anything this year. They're focused on development. How's it good for Lonzo Ball's development to have him on the bench all fourth quarter? He's so bad right now, they wouldn't even put him out there in the guts of the game to get him that experience. And with that, Lonzo Ball is our first honoree of the Dumpster Fire of the Week on the Trash Talk with TK podcast. And now before we finish up here on the first ever Trash Talk with TK Podcast, Episode 1. I want to talk about this big Sunday night game this week. Eagles at Cowboys. And I can't wait for this game. It feels like we've been waiting a month for this game with the bye week and everything. Eagles 8-1. and one, Cowboys 5-4. and four. What a huge matchup. Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz. One of the one of the early matchups in what I think is going to be a fantastic rivalry. These two guys are going to be going at it for years. And I can't wait. Two of the best young quarterbacks in the game and just a huge game for the Eagles. Another huge game for the Eagles because right now they need to keep stockpiling wins. And at the beginning of the year, nobody expected them to be here. I didn't expect them to be here. You didn't expect them to be here. I thought the Eagles were a nine. If things go really, really well, a 10-win team. Here they sit, though, 8-1 and one, through nine games. They've winners of seven in a row with home field advantage in their sights. And they need to keep stockpiling wins because some of these other teams in the NFC are right on their heels. Rams, Vikings, and Saints, all 7-2, and two, all just one game back. Now, some of those teams play each other over the next couple weeks. Rams play Minnesota this week. Rams play New Orleans the following week. So that'll help uh, with those teams kind of beating up on each other a little bit. But a big game for the Eagles at Dallas. Then come home, play the Bears. Then that two-game West Coast swing at Seattle and at the Rams. But I was thinking about it, and this is really one of the biggest Eagles regular season games in a long time. This is probably the biggest Eagles regular season game 
since the 2013 finale in Dallas, it's weird because the last few games they played, the last few real big regular season games they played, seem to always be against the Cowboys. They had a big game in 2014 here. Sunday night game here, just a couple weeks after they beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving in Dallas. Eagles lost to the Cowboys here on a Sunday night, which effectively, you know, ended the division race, gave Dallas the the, the division crown, and then the Eagles were completely eliminated when they lost in Washington to a bad Redskins team the following week. And the year before that, as I said, that 2013 finale, that was the first year under Chip Kelly when the Eagles and Cowboys played a Sunday night game in Dallas the final week of the season. It was literally winner-take-all. Winner wins the division, losers out of the playoffs, and the Eagles won that game. Brandon Boykin with that game-sealing interception. But this is probably the biggest regular season game since that because the Eagles have such an opportunity right now to get to 9-1, and Chicago at home, Next week, you'd think that's a win. That would get you to 10-1. and one. Then you go out west to play Seattle and the Rams. What, you probably just need one of those two. You don't have to win both those games. You just you get one of two. You come home 11-2, and two, and then you finish out at Giants, Raiders at home on Christmas night, and Cowboys at home. You should be able to get two or three of those games. That gets you to 13-3. and three. So when you look at it, this game is crucial. It's much bigger for the Cowboys, obviously, because if the Cowboys lose, their season could be over. They'd be on the outside of the wild card race looking in. Either way, even if the Cowboys win this game, I don't think they can catch the Eagles in the division, but they're still alive for a wild card, and I don't want them in as a wild card. First of all, just because they're the Cowboys and I hate them. Second of all, they could be a scary team in the playoffs. If they get Zeke Elliott back, that's a team that's built to go on the road, to run the ball, to play, you know, playoff football outdoors. Home field advantage could work in the Eagles' favor against a lot of teams. Like you talk about the Rams, Saints, Vikings, all those teams much more dangerous if you got to go play them on the road than play them here, especially New Orleans. New Orleans is a totally different team on the road in the cold weather than they are in that dome. But Dallas, I don't think it makes a big difference for them because they're kind of suited to play that, you know, grind it out, cold weather, January, you know, playoff style football where they'll ground and pound and they'll work off the run game. So I would love nothing more than the Eagles just go down there and end them. Just end them this week. And I think the Eagles will. I like the Eagles in this game. Uh, mainly because that Dallas offensive line, which is such a strength, is really struggling right now. Without Tyron Smith, you saw what happened. They were caved in by that Atlanta Falcons front. Adrian Claiborne, six sacks against Chaz Green, the backup tackle. And even if Tyron Smith plays this week, he's not going to be at 100%. He's not going to be at 100%. And that's the side where Derek Barnett lines up. And I think this week could be Derek Barnett's coming out party on national TV. Eagles first round pick out of Tennessee. This could be the coming out party for Derek Barnett. 
Derek Barnett, in the last couple weeks, he started to come on a little more. He's been much better against San Fran and Denver than he was the previous few weeks, and you've seen it gradually with him. At the beginning of the year, he's very invisible, not doing much, had some penalties, penalties trying to get quick starts, but over the last couple weeks, you've really seen it, not just in the pass rush department, but in the run game. He's playing a lot better, and he's just another piece to this defensive front that I think is the best defensive line the Eagles have had since the Buddy Ryan days. And they had some great D lines under Andy Reid, but not like this. The depth this defensive line has. They go eight deep. They have two starting units. First, you run out Fletcher Cox, Tim Jernigan, Brandon Graham, Vinny Curry. Then you come back and your second string line is Chris Long, Derek Barnett, Bo Allen, Destiny Vaya, all starting caliber players for teams in this league. And it's the strength of this team, and it's it's going to be the difference in this game. It's why the Eagles are going to beat the Dallas Cowboys because the Cowboys will not be able to neutralize the Eagles' front. Everybody talks about Zeke Elliott. Everybody talks about him being out, and that that's, you know, really going to hurt the Cowboys. I don't think Zeke being out is really going to matter that much because regardless, even if Zeke was playing, the Cowboys aren't going to be able to block this Eagles' front. And aside from Carson Wentz and the lights-out MVP caliber level that he's playing at right now, this defensive line is the next most important reason why this team's 8-1. and one. And I don't see any way they don't dominate this game on Sunday night. This team's going to be coming out of the bye, ready to go. Trust me, they've been thinking about this game for a long time. They've had it circled for a long time. I do our uh, 94 WIP shows down at Chickies and Pete's on Monday night engineering. And talking to Brandon Graham off air, brought up the Dallas game to him last Monday, the day after the Denver game, and his eyes just lit up. They can't wait for this game. Eagles going to come out firing. They're not going to come out flat. And I have a great feeling about this game. I think they get to Dak Prescott. I think they move the ball effectively against the Dallas defense that is not very good. That secondary is a mess. They played okay this year. They have a good defensive coordinator in Rob Marinelli, who I think covers up for a lot of their weaknesses. They should be without Sean Lee this week, one of their best linebackers. And I think the Eagles are going to be able to do a lot of things offensively, setting up the run and setting up the pass by running the football. I think they'll be able to move the ball through the air at a very high rate, and as long as they don't turn the ball over, the Eagles will win this game, and they'll win this game convincingly. My prediction, Eagles 31, Dallas 20, and the Eagles get the 9-1, Bears coming to Philadelphia next week, chance to get to 10-1 before going out west, and I think they're getting home field advantage. If they win this game against Dallas, there's almost no way that they don't get home field when you look at the schedule they have left. With those other teams that are right on their heels, all those teams have tougher schedules than the Eagles do. But this is the game they need to get. They lose this game, things could look a lot different. Then those Rams and Seahawks games become much more pivotal in the race for home field. But the Eagles get this game. This, for all intents and purposes, clinches the NFC East and puts the Eagles in prime position to send the NFC playoffs 
through Philadelphia and make anybody who wants to get to Minnesota go through South Philly first. And with that, we will conclude episode one of Trash Talk with TK. Hopefully I'll get a a podcast out about once a week. I'm TK Tom Kelly. And just uh, an extra note for you, I will be on 94 WIP, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Saturday night into Sunday morning, the morning of the Dallas Cowboys game. So I'd love you to join me. I'd love to talk to you then. This was Trash Talk with TK. Thanks for listening. See you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.